Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high-stakes speed bumps and off-ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell and Corey Frank from Branch 49. How are you tracking your pipeline success? If you're only looking at one quarter or two, you're missing the larger picture of attribution. Most of the results are going to be three, four, five, and six quarters later. Is it the SDRs? Advertising? phone calls made, or conversations you've had? If you wait too long to look at where the pipeline is coming from and where it is weak, you may be behind by an additional three to six months at that point. Companies are cutting back on prospecting teams without fully appreciating the long-term effect on the pipeline. David Delaney, founder and CEO at Tenbound, joins Chris and Corey for the first in a three-part series on market dominance, guys. In this episode, you'll hear why a vendor is like someone with one leg of a giraffe, and the other of an octopus tentacle. How do you walk with those? Or is it more like Wile E. Coyote running into the tunnel the Roadrunner painted on the side of the road? You'll have to tune in to find out. Chris sums up this episode. Failure to prospect today will turn future good times into bad times that are worse than today. How will you avoid this position? Listen to Prospecting, Inbound, or Pipeline Problems. Should you hire an SDR? Tune in to find out. All righty, here we are again. Welcome to another episode of the Market Dominance Guys with Corey Frank and Chris Beal, the sage of sales, the prophet of profit, and the my new favorite, Chris, the Stephen Hawking of Hawking. <laughs> and we are here today with David Delaney. David, we we're creeping on your profile beforehand. Certainly, we've shared many of the same conferences, but I haven't had the courage enough to introduce myself. So this is the first time for me. It's a thrill. Chris, I know you know David for a while, but David is the CEO and the founder of Tenbound, which is a research and advisory firm. Certainly, David is one of those rare breeds you find nowadays, right, Chris, on LinkedIn, where you're not just a poster of content. You are a connoisseur and you are a practitioner. You cut your teeth at Acton and Cisco and Glassdoor, so you know what you're talking about. And Chris and I on this show, the guests that we have, you have to know what you're talking about to get in the hot seat with the market dominance guy. So welcome, David. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. I've got a PhD in the School of Hard Knocks, so hopefully I can (laughs) keep up with you guys. He could certainly keep up with maybe Chris. We'll see. Depends how many fingers of scotch he has had. It is for oh, there. It nice. is. So we'll. Where's we'll mine? Come on, guys. <laughs> That's a custom on the market dominance, guys. You have to have your. We. we I thought our producer may have got with your producer and prepped you for the. the it's a, so a research and advisory firm, Tenbound. Chris and I have talked about this a couple of times when we've talked with other folks in the research space. And I mean this in all the endearment possible, but we always say don't rely too much on research because it can be used like a drunkard uses a lamppost for support rather than illumination. However, looking at some of the downloadable material, a wealth of material, the Gartner of the SDR space, I certainly appreciate the very narrow focus, the trade craft, the juicy nuggets of the SDR world, because as Chris says many, many times, the SDR, the cold call, that is the most athletic part of sales and certainly the most overlooked in a go-to-market channel. So so anyway, welcome to the program and and let's talk a little bit about what Tenbound does as a research and advisory firm. And do you support 
the drunkards? Like Chris, <laughs> or is it more for illumination? That's a good way to put it. I'm happy to be the lamppost. <laughs> People uh, use it as you wish. From the get-go, we tried to make content that's useful and something that you can print out and have at your desk and actually use to figure out the problems that you're trying to work on. And five years ago, there wasn't a lot of great information for either the practitioner or the executives running an outbound or an inbound SDR team on how to do it and how to do it effectively. So I had had some experience in that and and thought that, you know, this was a, a place where we could really help people and add value. And so hopefully people use it as a force of good versus just something to get a raise or convince the board of something, <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, since you've known David a little bit longer than I have, how do you see 10Bound right there, prominence now in the industry, talked about everywhere, the conferences, et cetera, the research they do for SDRs, how do you see that really augmenting or raising the bar for what we need sales leaders, CROs, marketing folks to understand about, about inside sales and specifically about the BDR function? Well, I think there's two things that 10Bound's doing. One is by focusing exclusively on the sales development function, therefore on the top part of the funnel. And there's some question as to how far down you end up going, but it's, I'll say up there somewhere, they're actually addressing the mathematical constraint of almost every business in the world. So there's a lot of folks out there talk about sales and what they really talk about is, hey, how you, the sales rep, can make more money. And that's really it. I mean, my friends at Outbound even do that. It's like, what's the pitch? The pitch is, you want to take home a bigger paycheck. That's the pitch. Mm. And then it's like, do this, do that, or do the other thing, and then be brave and strong and all that other good stuff and things will happen. I happen to believe that the math is clear. Fat pipes outperform skinny pipes for one reason, and that is they come with a portfolio effect that lets you, the company, make choices among who your customers are and they also allow you to go through difficult times with less stress on your business than folks who have skinny pipes going in. That is a fat pipe is like a savings account. It's an asset. And that asset yields not obviously in good times, but yields hugely in challenging times, which are where competitions are won and lost. So you want to find out which football team's the best? Go play in Green Bay in the winter, right? You'll learn a few things. I think that's super important. The other thing that's super important is the whole sales development function became real hot and things that become hot go insane. And by insane, I mean, they actually lose their minds and you have a flood of money and attention and fads and fads come and go. And you get what I'll call not just a breakdown of specialists, but a fragmentation of hopefuls. Everybody's throwing something out there. How many sales development tools are there in the world, David? We can tell you, yeah, over 500. You know, we have the market map for those. It has been crazy for sure. Right. So what David's doing at 10 Bound is providing a way to actually talk about that stuff while it's happening, but allow the practitioners over time to guide this into a useful channel. So the stuff that works and the stuff that's useful actually will end up kind of coming out the other end. And it's not a magical one second process. It takes years. The third feature of David is, thank God, he's willing to hang in there for years doing something that as I told him, David, you'll forgive me for this, but David's in a business that's somewhat like this. It's got two legs. It's a two-sided marketplace, right? So you have on one side, you have all the practitioners and 
companies with SDRs and sales development heads and all that. And the other side, you have vendors like us. And it's like waking up every morning and looking down and going, one of my legs belongs to a giraffe and the other one is the tentacle of an octopus. Now, how am I going to walk today? <laughs> it's, it's Great not... analogy. Yeah. So David, you That's decided to do this. So my question is this. I'll put it politely. What possessed you? (laughs) (laughs) Was it it the giraffe side, the octopus side, or a vision of a giraffetopus (laughs) that you had that possessed you to look down into what was either beautiful, warm water with bubbles in it to dive into, or a painting of the bottom of a swimming pool? (laughs) It's like when the roadrunner sets up a painting of the road and the coyote goes right in. Yeah, why'd you plunge into the tunnel there? (laughs) It's funny that nobody's ever asked me that. That's an interesting question. I had been sort of a wantrepreneur for a long time, a long time, because I had been in the tech industry and in the working world for 20 years and always read about and thought about entrepreneurship as something that I wanted to do. And as you get older, right, you get the golden handcuffs. And I had the kids and the mortgage and all that stuff, and it becomes harder and harder. But I had an opportunity because I got into two companies in a row. I won't name the names, but very difficult experiences from the get-go. And I was in between things. And I looked at this industry, and you hit it right on the head. It's an exciting industry and it's growing and it's very complex. And I saw a lot of opportunity in helping the people on one hand that are trying to figure it out and then working with the tech ecosystem to try to connect them to the audience. And for me, it looked like a great opportunity. And it has been really every day in the last five plus years that I've been running this, every day I've gotten up with interesting new challenges and it's been amazing. On the flip side, entrepreneurship is really tough and I've got a lot of scars to prove it. And my wife is still around, hopefully somewhere. Is she over, is she over there? Are you waiting yeah. for her? I'm hoping that, I hope so. It's an amazing experience and we could go in any direction there, but the industry itself, there's a lot of energy behind it and it's fun for me. And so here I am. So when you started 10 Bound, by the way, what is that? Where's the name come from? Where's like, to, yeah. that's, uh, you know, is there Canada's toes and then he realized, oh my God, they're going to be in my shoes. They're bound up. <laughs> like, like, that was a good yeah. one. Like yeah, it's funny. Note, right? and people like, people uh, who know me have heard this, but Dead Monkey Handout. Good yeah. name. Dead Monkey Handout. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. <laughs> Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. I'm still thinking of those two legs. That's such a great analogy, Chris. But the name, it was interesting because... When I thought about outbound prospecting and all the things that we do in sales development, 
I wanted to call it all bound because it encompasses everything, but there, that name was taken. And I, I was sitting in 10 minute parking at the BART station in, in Daly City. And, and, and I said, I wonder if 10 bound is taken <laughs> and also 10 X your pipeline, right? Yeah. By coming to 10 bound. So it was not taken. And I, thought, I took it as like 10 fingers to do outbound because you're doing yeah. this the old school way, right? So dialing manually. That's So when you started 10 bound, I bet you hearken back to the first couple of pieces of content or interviews or research would be stuff or germane around the things that you wish you had when you were running those operations at Cisco or Glassdoor or Acton. Is that a true statement? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the first couple of things that I came up with were a SDR 101 training program. And actually, scratch that. Before that, it was a SDR manager 101 Ooh. training program and just sort of a brain dump of everything that I need to would have needed as coming in as a middle manager. And usually they're promoted from an SDR to an SDR manager after like six months. <laughs> and it's like, and then, now, uh, then they get to be LinkedIn influencers shortly after that too. Oh, right, right. right. <laughs> That's exactly. I followed that pattern. And so, exactly. So and that was just a brain dump. And that actually ended up becoming a book that finally we released last year and it's gotten a good reception. It took way too long to write, but it's out there now. Did you hear that, Chris? It took way too long to actually write the book. So, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> for the innocent in the audience who haven't been with us for all seven episodes, this <laughs> podcast is a lame ass attempt to write a book. And so far, we've yeah. got 160 episodes and no book. Oh my God. You guys, I wish I had the silver bullet there, but it's just <laughs> all I could say is you just got to grind it out. <laughs> and oh, yeah. it took way too long. Yeah, we're having too much fun talking problems to death versus actually doing the research behind it. It's a different story. So one of the analogies, Chris, I don't know if you've ever talked with David, particularly if SDR manager and leadership in 101, but how about, let's talk about the surfer and the surfboard. We've talked about it several times in our episodes, but yeah. David, did you get this, uh, this impression about how we see the world of an SDR and you coming from a very finely tuned mind on breaking down a methodology. But Chris, what do you think about that? I think David would be interested in hearing that. Well, the analogy that I came up with, I was watching some people surf one day, actually. And what can I say? I was in Southern California. And I thought, this is really interesting. Not one of those people out there surfing made their own surfboard. And if they did, they'd surf pretty poorly, even if they were good surfers, because making a surfboard is very, very different from surfing that in a way they're unrelated, right? The expert at making the surfboard is drawing on 50, 60, 70, 80 years of tradition, knowledge, material science, what works in what waves they've learned from masters. But the surfer has to learn to get on the board, use their balance, be courageous, get some artistry in there. And to me, in my narrow analogy, the surfboard is the script and the surfer is the SDR. But I think there's a bigger analogy, which is, that the surfboard is all that's being provided by management and the surfer is the SDR, right? In my, in my analogy, my original one, the, it's not that the surfer is the SDR as a human being, it's their voice. That the voice is yeah. what surfs using the script. But what do you think about that? Because management's job can be a lot of things. Like Helen Fanucci, my wife, wrote a book called Love Your Team. 
a survival guide for sales managers in a hybrid world. Her view is it's all about the team because she starts from the proposition they're not on your team unless they know what to do. But I think in the SDR world, we could start at the opposite end, which is they're on your team because they don't know what to do. <laughs> and it started with management training as your first offering. But yeah. as you think about that, first of all, does the analogy make any sense? Is it management's job to build the surfboard because they know how? If they were a rep three months ago, maybe they don't, right? So maybe that's an issue there. But as you think about it, if that analogy is apt, what are the pieces that you think a manager should focus on providing so that their SDR team members can learn how to and eventually actually execute beautiful rides? You know, the conversation yeah, is yeah. like the ride. It doesn't last long, but it's a thing of beauty when it happens and the audience goes yeah. wild. Yeah, it is. It's a good analogy. And I would go one step further that a lot of SDRs are just sent out into the water with a foam piece and some epoxy and like a cutter thing. And they're kind of floating around out there trying to actually shape and create the surfboard so that they can then get it right. And it depends on the company. And if you're talking about a company that has a sophisticated pipeline generation program set up, then yes, they have a well-made surfboard and guidance and suggestion to go out and catch rides. But if you go to the other end of the spectrum with a startup, you're basically in your own kid and there's sharks in the water. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when people think about SDRs and pipeline production, I think they come at it with, I have a problem. We don't have enough meetings on the calendar. The sales reps are not prospecting enough. There's not enough marketing inbound and we don't have enough pipeline. What do we do? Boom, let's hire an SDR. And then they're, again, depending on the company, either supported or not to be able to execute on the ride that they're on. And a lot of times they really struggle and come up short. And now in this economy, it's easy to look at that team and go, wow, I mean, we're paying a lot of money and, and paying for a lot of things for this team to be in place. And they're not producing the pipeline that we need. So let's cut them. Yeah. I have a story about that from today, by the way, from today. Mm -hmm. So I spent today, not the entire day, but most of it. I also took a little walk down to marination and had some kimchi fried rice with sexy tofu. I guess one should, but yeah, you know, I spent the rest of the day working on showing one of our customers what their SDRs have actually produced. And it has some shocks in it. And I want to get your opinion about some of these shocking elements, right? So here's the number one shocking element that I found. The outbound calling that this team did in 2021. So for those of you listening to this, this is now December 14 of 2022 is the date we recorded this, right? So in 2021, they had a team of about 12 people. SDRs, and they were using our product, Connect the Cells. They're having a lot of conversations. But the basic impression that management had as they started to look into the future is, well, 2021 conversations create 2021 meetings, right? So I went and looked at the 2021 conversations and only looked at the pipeline generated from them in 2022, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the conversation was last year, or the conversation, some of them continued. First conversation was last year pipeline this year. They had produced with 12 people, 
$56 million of directly attributable 2022 pipeline from conversations that started in 2021. So when you look at that, then this is about out of $98 million of total pipeline created. So the majority of the pipeline was created from conversations from last year. And yet I would bet the mindset of almost everybody listening to this right now is that's not how it works. You call or reach out on email or do something and you get a meeting and the meeting, it's like linear, right? The meeting turns into a, you know, an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But what we see in the real world is these very, very long positive tales from SDRs. And therefore, when you fire your SDR team or shrink your SDR team, my opinion, it was strengthened today. You actually don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't know how much your future is tied to the tail of what they're producing today because you're looking for in-quarter results, and yet most of the results are going to be three, four, five, six quarters later. Do you see that, or am I just uh, the guy with too many numbers in front of me? Uh, no, I mean, you're the chart's behind you, right? Attribution is a really tough problem to solve, and knowing what really caused the pipeline to be established and to close, it's really tough because you could attach SDRs as one thing, you've got advertising, you've got phone calls that have made, you've got conversations. And so I think in the near term, if you're looking at your pipeline and it's unhealthy, you're almost three to six months too late at that point. That's the thing with everybody cutting back on these teams and not having anybody doing any prospecting. I think it'll be even scarier in the first couple of quarters because there's been now there's nobody prospecting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like you think your pipeline is bad right now. Think about it. If you don't put any energy into this activity and it takes three to six months, to your point, to really see the progress being made, then the Q1, Q2 of next year is going to be pretty scary. You made me think of a phrase. Failure to prospect will turn future good times into bad times that are worse than today. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's well, like, okay, well, what, what can we control right now? I think it's taking a step back and looking at your pipeline production process from strategic level and recalculating and putting emphasis back into it versus just cutting the team. <laughs> Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's Modern and Innovative Sales Toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.